But yeah. Slay. Is there bugs on your shirt? Are those bugs? Um, some of them are bugs. Some of them are animals. They're just critters. This is Nick's shirt. I said, Nick, this I need a new sleep shirt for when I'm not at your house. And he said, pick one out. And I thought this one was funny. I like it. It's kind of cool. It's very I wonder where he got it. His aunt gave it to him. It looks like it's from like the Pacific Northwest. Um, But that being said, I'm Liza. I'm Riz. And this is The Little Sleep. Much Reading Podcast. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Um, what's on the menu today, boys? Um, we're going back in time to our roots. To our roots, specifically. Yeah. Lots of people's roots, but also our roots. Our roots. That's a hard thing to say, our roots. Our roots, it is. Our root. our roots. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. But yeah, we going way back. Um, let me actually look up the year my book was written. Obviously, I think for yours. Um, let's see. Oh, by the way, when we say our roots, we mean horror specifically. And my classic horror was written in 1897. Slay. Slay. Mine was written in 1959. Okay, so they're a decent amount apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But honestly, not that much. Well, I mean... Well, 50-60... Well, Seventy years. A person could have had a whole life in between the two books. That's true. Essentially. But any guesses, people, on what our books are? No. Nope. <laughs> it's like Dora, Dora the Explorer, where you're just waiting for. She's asking you a question, and you're like, "I'm not going to answer it, bitch." Yeah, well, mine's Dracula. <laughs> mine's Psycho. Psycho. And neither of us have ever read these, despite the fact no. that they, like, basically helped invent the genre. Never. I am going to make, I'm going to make confession. Do it. So I got to be careful what I say, because right now, as we speak, Mm-hmm. I'm not even five minutes away from old Bram Stoker's house here in Dublin City. But I didn't like this book that much. And 
for that reason, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do my writing scale because here's the thing. I feel weird. I felt weird writing this for the same reason I felt weird writing Agatha Christie and stuff like that. And I don't know if you'll have similar thoughts on your book, but it's like when something is a classic, you're almost like, well, it's not like I can say it was bad because obviously it's not because it you know, does that make any sense like like what were, what were your you nodded like you maybe felt the same way I think for me I did a writing scale but it was hard to do it because a lot of this book probably would have been better if if I didn't know what was going to happen but because everyone knows the story of Psycho. It's like, okay. Right. So you have to put yourself in the shoes of reading it in the 1950s. Just like I think for Dracula, you have to put yourself in the shoes. Reading this in the 1890s would have been scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. And obviously I wasn't scared. And obviously you weren't scared of Psycho, but it's the same reason like you ever watch like Poltergeist or something and you're like, well, that was lame. And then your parents are like, well, it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my freaking life when it came out or something like that. Yeah, but parts of Poltergeist are scary. Parts of Poltergeist are scary. Maybe that was a poor example. Do you find the original Psycho movie scary? No, but see, and it scared the shit out of some people, you know? Yeah. So that's why I feel like, and that's why I brought up Agatha Christie too, because you know, I got beef with Miss Agatha, but you also can't be a hater because she literally invented the crime genre as we know it. Mm -hmm. The one reason you can be a hater for Bram Stoker is because he did copy it from somebody else. There you go. Which I'll get into later, but yeah, that was my, that was my faults this week. I think because we were reading classics and thinking about where things stem of, I had like this weird dream last night. And I was like, but what is that? Did I just invent a new thing? No. But you know what I mean? What did you think you invented? I'm curious. I don't know, Liza. It was really scary. <laughs> no. You always, I swear to God, you always have the craziest dreams. And I'm always like, what the fuck? I'm like thinking about writing about it. It was like, it was like me and Nick were in this cabin and I like knew that these creatures were outside and they wanted to get in. And all of a sudden I looked and all the windows were like open, but the screens were still down. And I saw their like fingers and their fingers were long and black and furry and they had long, thick black nails and they were like scratching at the screen. And I was like, oh my God, Nick, oh my God, the windows are open. They're going to get in. They're going to get in. So I went to go close the windows and they talked to me. They were like women. And they talked to me and they were like, no, but we're already in. You let us in. And I said, no, I didn't. And they said, yes, you did. And then I looked and I realized that the screen wasn't on the window. And they were, and then I realized that they had somehow made me one of them and that they were going to eat Nick. And I literally ran to Nick and I cried and I like hugged him and I was like, I'm really sorry. And then I woke up. Honestly, that would be a really good short story. 
I tell Nick this. I tell him this dream. And he says, oh, that's honestly really sweet. What the frig? No. What the frig? You, you died. We ate you. Yeah. Shut the hell up. <laughs> so, but yeah, their fingers were really scary to me. Ooh, that is spooky. Yeah. Spunky. That's creepy. I wonder what you like, what kind of media you consumed that I know. made you think. I didn't even read anything last night. You watched something like. No, I came home from work. I ate some pizza and I went right to bed like a good little kid. Like a good little kid. I wonder. That's spooky as hell. But I guess I just invented like forest creatures. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Like, like were they maybe. vampires? Were they zombies? No, they were neither. But they were fur hairy? Yes. Maybe they were werewolves. They had thick black fur. Yeah, I guess they could have been. I didn't I don't remember seeing their bodies. I just remember seeing their hands and their faces. Their faces were like women, like normal like women faces. Then I'm like, are they a kind of siren? Like a forest? Oh, forest siren. Friggin' weird guys. Friggin' weird. I don't like it. Friggin' weird. Hate. Very scary. Nick <clears throat> says, that's so sweet. You Nick, got eaten freak. up. You're freak city. <laughs> he wants to get eaten right the hell up. I think I he do. All right, Nick. We can make that happen if you really want. <laughs> Me and all my little friends. I My favorite, one of my favorite posts of all time is like, it's something about Jennifer's body, and it's like, no, because if I was in Jennifer's body and my best friend was killing boys, I would help her. Literally. Like, why is Needy trying to stop her? Like, girl, she is doing everybody a service. I'll tell you why. Because she's in love with Chip. But Chip isn't really a boy. I don't believe Chip? that he is. Chip is a little freak. Right. Chip. Chip has the feminine energy enough to be considered one of the girlies so therefore she doesn't have to worry do you think that they were both do you think needy and jennifer were in love with each other or that yes. one was only okay that's what i think too and then they were in love with each other okay i think so too but i, I do also think that needy loved chip i think so too and i think jennifer was kind of jealous of chip yeah in a way so mm -hmm. I saw this one post that was like, I think it was this that like Jennifer wouldn't mind being in love with a girl if it wasn't needy. I don't understand. Needy wouldn't needy wouldn't mind being in love with Jennifer if she was a, not a girl. Don't you and just yeah, I don't know. They don't make any sense. No. They hurt my brain. Yeah. It's a lot of words for us. Yes. Like. <laughs> Why can't you just like say it in plain speak? Right. Say say it regular, everybody. Say it regular. Um, who wants to go first? I don't care. I wonder if I should because mine came first. Do it. Okay. Yeah, people. So I read... Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I don't know how I made it this far in life without having read this book. Because I feel like it's like Frankenstein, where like, it's so classic that everybody's read it. 
but I haven't read it. Um, so it was written in 1987. I'm sorry, 1997. And if you're wondering when, if this is the first vampire book, it was not. Far from it. So according to my research, the actual, the first time that vampires were mentioned in English literature is in Robert Southey's epic poem, Thalabla the Destroyer, which came out in 1801. Um, and it's uh, this guy or girl, I, I don't know if these are more fucking lesbians, but um, this somebody's lover comes back as a vampire. Now, vampires have been around forever, all the way back to ancient Egypt. Um, there's been mention of vampires. But we don't really see stories about them written in English until the 1800s, because not long after 1801, another story is written called The Vampire um, by John Pilidori. And there's later ones by Lord Byron, 1816. So there's all these like little stories about vampires. Flash forward to Dublin City in the 1870s. So Bram Stoker, who like I said, lived just down the street from me, um, went to the college that I'm going to, is friends with a gentleman named Sheridan Lafanu. Now Sheridan Lafanu wrote a book called Carmilla, which is almost Dracula in its entirety. It has, the character names are completely ripped off. The story is very similar. The only difference is that Carmilla features lesbians, slay. Um, but of course, for the 1872, that's not really gonna fly with the people of the world. So it doesn't gain as much popularity as it should have perhaps and it does have a little bit of a cult following now um but it was not until much later that people were like oh my god this book is so good so essentially Bram Stoker reads this book and is like hey that's a really good idea I think it could be profitable and he com basically completely copies it um and that's how we get Bram Stoker's Dracula it's really interesting to me as well because I think Dracula in the book is so interesting to me because you can tell that we get a lot of what we know about vampires from this book. But I also think if it weren't for Nosferatu, which was a movie that came out, um, you know, in the sort of mid to early even 20th century, we wouldn't exactly picture Dracula the way that we picture him now. The funny thing about that is whenever they made Nosferatu the movie, Mrs. Stoker actually sued them because she thought it was too similar to Dracula, which is really ironic because her own husband basically copied Dracula from somebody else. Um, but it, it's really interesting reading the book versus having these like media depictions of the vampire and of Dracula specifically with um, Christopher Lee's Dracula 
is I think really what you think of in that sort of classic era of horror, like the Universal Monsters, Boris Karloff Jr.'s Frankenstein's monster. Like that's what we picture in our heads when somebody says Dracula. And while there's little Easter eggs to that in the original text, I I had to wonder while I was reading it if if people kind of pictured a different sort of of being when they were reading this in the 1890s. I don't remember who I was talking about this with. It might have been you, Marissa, but it might have been somebody else. The best part of this book, the funniest part of this book, is that Dracula pretends to be all of his other servants. And it had me laughing. Um, So basically, this guy, Mr. Harker, like, goes to Dracula's mansion. And Dracula is pretending to be, like, the driver, the butler. Like, we have to assume he's also the kitchen staff. Like, he's literally, like, doing, like, a glasses and mustache type of, like, fucking what's it called when the Muppets all Muppet man that Muppets all stand on top of each other to like trick people into thinking they're a person like that's what Dracula is doing so he goofy as hell like that man is goofy and now Marissa I think it must have not been you I was talking about this with but that just makes this book that all the more funny um the part of the book that surprised me the most was I hadn't realized it was basically all in diary entries. Um, so we have Dr. Seward's diary. We have Jonathan Harker's journal. We have Mina Harker's letters. Um, we have Renfield, I don't think ever has his own entries. I think Renfield and Van Helsing are solely mentioned in other people's um, diaries. It's honestly mostly Jonathan Harker, Mina Harker, and Dr. Seward. Um, obviously, Dracula's not, doesn't have his own entries either. Um, I think there's one other person, the girl, what is her name? Lucy. Um, and I guess Mina Harker is kind of just always writing to Lucy and we don't often get Lucy's perspective. Um, but it's really interesting. I had no idea that's how the book was set up. And to me, it kind of distracts from like the horror of it because we're getting all these like firsthand accounts of what's happening. Like you'd think, oh, maybe that could, you know, add like a scary element to it. But I think it actually could have been better to just be in like Dracula's lair with Dracula and like Jonathan Harker from the beginning and the book could honestly be a lot shorter in that case as well um so now you guys are seeing why I didn't want to do a rating scale because it's like okay that form is interesting the writing is technically good we have to applaud the plot because it's basically the reason we have vampires as they are today um it's shelf worthy because it's a classic like all these things are true um but it's just one of those things that like when you're reading it you're like damn like I don't know if I thought this was going to be like the greatest thing ever but I'm kind of bored and so you're trying to put yourself in those shoes of somebody who's reading this in the early 20th century and being like okay maybe I would actually be kind of like freaked the fuck out if I was reading this but I struggled with finding that sort of fear I guess um but I do I do want to applaud it and I do because this is our classic horror episode want to say that like 
a lot of me wonders if we would even have monster horror in the way we have it today without Dracula. Would we have vampires? Would we have zombies? Would we have all the other great, like I said, universal monsters that we get? I mean, we have Frankenstein, but as Marissa and I have talked about it before, like, yes, that was horror for sure, but also it was heavily like science fiction. And here we have this like ancient being, um, uh, this idea of the the undead um, having nothing to do with, with science. It's completely supernatural um, that... I, I really wonder if we would have that genre of horror today without Dracula. Certainly, I, I, I think certainly, certainly not, honestly. Um, and it's interesting, too, how much vampires have, like, evolved over time. Because, like, we got from this shit to Twilight, and I don't understand necessarily how the hell that happened. Like, I don't know who did what. Um but it's just interesting, really interesting looking at like the evolution of a monster. Um, and you know, people were genuinely freaked out. Like, I'm trying to think when was the New England vampire panic? It was was it before this? New England vampire panic. Okay, the New England vampire panic was way before this. It was in the 1790s, and they were they were freaked out. So people like have this idea of vampires but nobody had nobody with any real recognition had sort of put that fear into words and that also has to make you wonder about how horror becomes horror right because we had the concept of vampires forever forever all the way back to ancient Egypt and it wasn't until the 1800s that somebody was like you know what I think people would actually like to read about a vampire for entertainment purposes. And people loved it. They ate it right the fuck up. Bram Stoker is still a huge deal. The park I live next to is called Bram Stoker Park. This past weekend was the Bram Stoker Festival in Dublin and everything is Bram Stoker themed. Like Dracula, people still dress up as Dracula for Halloween. Can you? Believe, he could have never guessed that in a million years, I'm sure, when he wrote it. Like almost 150 years later people are still dressing up like Dracula like it's it's interesting so like I was thinking a lot about that as well in terms of horror (laughs) and this idea of like horror being derived from things that we are genuinely afraid of for the purpose of entertainment and that's I think what Bram Stoker does um, that's really great and is probably the reason we have horror as a form of entertainment as we know it today that's my ted talk those were my snaps thank you (laughs) thank you very much we'll slay we'll slay brahm like he does turn into a bat it's pretty cool. So I was I was glad about that. Honestly, the parts with Lucy being sick were like the scariest parts of the book. But I'm I'm telling you right now. Not really scary. 
How many people were scared? <laughs> Not, Not these two bitches. Not these two bitches. I'll tell you that much. And that's that me at the store the other day. They said, well, what scares you? Literally nothing. Here I am trying to sell books. And you ask me, what scares me? What scares me? What does scare you? I don't know. I don't know. Because my parts of books that have scared me. But like, there's not a common theme. There's not a common trope that scares you. No. Interesting. Because I'm finding out more and more that I'm not really scared of anything. Like, I can pretty much watch any scary movie and I'm not actually going to be scared. Um, But to this day, I'll stick with that apocalypse stuff and possession stuff will usually actually scare me, whereas anything else does not scare me at all. Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting that you have nothing specifically that scares you. I can't think of anything. Me and Nick watched The Exorcist the other day, and I was like, get it, girl. You're literally that Beetlejuice quote where he's like, I've seen The Exorcist 187 (laughs) times, and it keeps getting funnier every time I see it. That's that's literally you. But the effects for that movie were great. That movie is scary as fuck. I can't can't watch that. Me and Nick are going to watch all three of them. I heard the new one was really bad. Yeah. I have low hope. The brand new one. So that's upsetting. It's nice. Anyway, so. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. <gasps> okay. So remember when I came last week and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to read a Stephen King. I didn't do that, guys. I got sick and I was like, both these books are long as shit. I don't want to read them. <laughs> I mean, like, I do. I just, like, did it then. So I opted for a shorter one that I listened to on an audiobook. And I upped the speed. <laughs> and honestly, I was surprised by how quick I finished it. And, like, I still absorbed the information, which was wild. So I did Psycho by Robert Block. I'm assuming everyone here has seen the movie. It is the exact same thing. They did not change anything. Hitchcock did not change a single thing. Um, And... So we're going to get into it a little bit. The fact that I wonder if Hitchcock actually kind of did this book a disservice. Um, because if you look up Psycho, the book is never going to come up. It's always going to be the movie. And is that is that a disservice? I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess in some ways it is. And I mean, like, he purchased the rights to this book for, like, I don't know, 10 grand. And his name is all over it. Like, it's always Hitchcock's Psycho. It's never Robert Block's Psycho, which is kind of sad. Um, 
so like me and Liza talked about, because everyone knows the ending of Psycho, everyone knows at least something about Norman Bates and his character. There's a, parts of this book that didn't do what they probably should have done for me. Um, but it's also interesting to think about, like, there were moments where I was like, wow, this is actually really clever and this is actually really smart and this actually, like, he actually kind of did something with this. Um, you know, for example, there are times when you get um, mother talking. And the cool thing is, because I had an audiobook that was read by a man, when he did, like, mother talking, he did it in his man voice. But it was, like, he he did, like, a woman voice, but, like, it was his voice. And I was like, that's probably literally what Norman Bates hears. And that was, like, that kind of hit good. Um, which was kind of slay. But, uh, yeah, so, right, let's just, let's just do this. So, Psycho is credited, especially in the movie realm, as being the first slasher. Or at least it's credited to being a prototype of a slasher, which I think is a better um, phrase for it. It's also interesting, if you try to look up, like, slasher and book, not a lot of things, like, come up. Like, we don't have a lot of research on slasher as a book genre, even though, like, we have quite a few. Um, and anytime you, like, have someone talking about it, it's always in a movie sense, which is stupid. Um, so, because of all that, I was like, well, is Psycho actually a slasher? I don't know. So what I decided to do is I decided to look up what makes a slasher a slasher. So according to um, industrialscripts.com, let me see who wrote this article that I read. So we can we could say thank you to them. Oh, there's no author attributed to it. Slay. Thanks whoever made this um so according to them it's kind of like 13 things that makes a slasher a slasher i'm gonna go through these quick a psychopathic killer a killer backstory revealed setting and location um a set time weapon of choice multiple victims characters split up Stranded signals, jump scares, 
illogical thinking, the killer resurrects, the final girl, a killer ending. For most slasher-esque films, they follow this kind of script with a few bumps here or there. So let's go through it for Psycho. A psychopathic killer. Oh, yes, Norman Bates. His backstory. Yes, you kind of get some of his backstory in the beginning with his mother talking to him. Um, and she kind of talks to him about how he's a baby. Even though Norman Bates is described as being um, 40 years old, shy, overweight, and a recluse, which is kind of funny. Um, but you get more of the backstory towards the end, which is probably more horror format. Setting and location, yes, you have the Bates Hotel. Um, for set time, I left it blank. I feel like there isn't really a set time, or at least I don't feel a set time for the book. I wasn't sure how long it was actually taking place it felt like days but I wasn't sure um weapon of choice no even though everyone thinks about the knife scene he really doesn't have a weapon of choice multiple victims Norman Bates only kills three people in the book and two of the kills you just you're told that he did them um, so, like, his mother and his mother's fiancé, you're just told that it happened. Whereas, um, Mrs. Crane, Miss Crane, she's literally murdered with a knife. Uh, multiple victims, three, do they split up? So there actually is a part where the two characters who come in later, the, I guess, boyfriend of Miss Crane, and I think her name was Lila, her sister, they come to the hotel, and there's a point where they both split up. Where she's like, I'm going to go get help. And Sam's like, okay, but really she goes and sneaks into the house. Um. So, yes, they split up, but, like, neither die, so it doesn't have the same effect that I think the split up is supposed to have. Um, the split up is supposed to kind of, like... There's something about a slasher where it's, like, they... The, the killer is killing each person, and it's, like, a next step up until he reaches the final girl. And the split... A causes drama, but it also, like, shows that in a weird way. Um, didn't have that. Stranded signals, yes. Um, it's said that the road that the hotel is on is the old road since the new highway was built. So you do feel like no one's ever going to come down this road. No one's ever going to help them. Jump scares? Not really, I guess... Like, how do you do jump scares in a book? It's definitely not as effective as in a movie. 
but there is definitely like a part where um the mother's body is discovered because Norman Bates went and dug her up and you like when Lila discovers that it is kind of like a scary moment um illogical thinking no doesn't happen in here um the killer resurrects no norman bates does not die a final girl this movie does well this book does not have a final girl i guess you can count lila as a final girl but she's really not because she hasn't been in it since the beginning um not even close like she she comes in quite a ways through and there's not like a there's not like a face off there's there's like no kind of climax between her and Norman Bates really um and also like Sam is still there I don't know doesn't really work um, and a killer ending. There is a quote that I friggin' wrote down, and I don't know where I friggin' did it. I think it's in my phone, but let me check. I thought this was interesting. So, so there's this, like, wrap-up at the end where I think this is from Lila's perspective, but I'm not positive, where she's actually referring to Mother as mother like not as norman bates which is also strange since they know that norman bates is mother so um mothers like talk to as if she is a separate thing from norman bates even though we know mother is like like an assumed identity of norman bates and it says like they say mother killed mary even though they're like so aware that it's Norman they still like use her like she her pronouns and mother which is kind of interesting um they also describe um his his victim Mary Marianne as a girl with beautiful breasts um which is kind of gross so the then there's a quote, and it's the bad man had committed the murders, and then he tried to blame it on her. Mother killed them, but it was a lie. And I like I don't know I just find the ending so interesting that it states that, but it does talk about mother. Um, and I don't know it, it like it starts this book starts with Norman Bates sitting on a stormy night and reading a book about about making a drum out of a corpse belly and then you get like his mother comes in and like criticizing him and like talking to him and i feel like you almost feel like feel bad for him for a second and then the way that it ends where it's like mm, he killed them 
but like mother did it is so strange and so it's very interesting i just don't really know how to take it i guess um and i try to think about how like this book is based on ed gein and how disgusting he is and i'm like is there Like, it almost feels like they're trying to be like, well, if the mother had treated him differently, then he wouldn't have went to kill. You know what I mean? It almost, like, has that weird feeling to it, um, which is just, it's just a bad, um, it's a bad backstory for your murderer, I think. <laughs> that mother made him do it, even though, like, I guess a lot of serial killers, male serial killers, do, like, blame their moms in a sense. That's that's their problem. You know what I mean? Let's not agree with them. Um, but, yeah. So, moral of the story is, it's interesting that Psycho doesn't have a final girl. And I think that that's become so, like, deeply woven into what a slasher is. And, like, what it represents and what it stands for and what it's, like, actually trying to say. That I feel like because it doesn't have it, it's, like, it's not okay to def to be like psycho is definitely a slasher. There's no like there's no end game to what Norman Bates is doing. There's no like which I can't say that there's logic for the other characters either, but it for the other killers in other horror movies either, but it, it does kind of feel like, oh, once they get to the final girl, they're done. You know what I mean? Like that's the girl who they want to get to. With Norman Bates, I'm like even if he had killed Sam and Lila and anyone else who came to the the hotel, is there like is like there would I don't think there would be an end game for him. I think it's just he still has his mother in his head, I guess. And like that's his that that's his like that's his mask, I guess. So, those are my thoughts on that. I would say it was a fun read. Um, oh, the only other thing I want to talk about is... So, I wonder if... I don't know if Hitchcock definitely, like, did this book any justice... Like, yes, he made an amazing movie that has echoed on and on and on and on and on through so many things. Um, you know, it's the reason that Scream has the intro it does. It's it's part of the reason why Jamie Lee Curtis was in Halloween. It's probably the reason why the doctor in Halloween, his name's Sam Loomis. It's the reason why 
Billy is Billy Loomis. It's the reason why um, so many slashers and films act the way they do is because Norman Bates and the the setup that was made from that movie. Um, but like, I feel like no one ever think like everyone. Most people probably know that Psycho is a book, but no one ever thinks like, no one ever gives the book the credit that it is. The book is literally exactly what Psycho is. Exactly what the movie is, is what the book is. Like Hitchcock really didn't change anything. He really didn't. And I just think that that's, it's like sad that Psycho is so much of Hitchcock's thing when it's really... Like, yes, he made a great movie, but it's really not his story. Um, I also found a quote. Again, I don't know if this is true, but apparently um, Hitchcock went and bought all the copies of Psycho he could possibly get his hands on before the movie came out because he didn't want people to know the ending. And that kind of that's kind of sucky to do. That's a little bit sucky. Um, so I do think everyone should go, even if you have seen Psycho 10 billion times and you're like, oh, I know how it ends. Yeah, but like, see it in writing, it's different. It is different. Like, even though it is word for word, like the same story, it is a different experience to be reading it and to be like, this is its original form. This is what it was doing without having a screen and like seeing it and doing it for you you know so that's my thoughts on that would you call this like the first psychological horror by any chance i don't know if it would be the first but it's definitely a psychological horror Mm -hmm. because like again there's there's so many twists in it like it's like First, you discover, like, he he's talking to Mother this whole time, and, you know, Mary comes, and he tells her, like, oh, Mother's upstairs, and blah, 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 and then after Mary's dead or whatever, when Sam and Lila go and talk to the, the sheriff, he's like, oh, Norman Bates lives alone, like, his mother died, whatever, so then the reader is like, oh, his mother's dead, that's so crazy, like, what? what was he talking about then was he just seeing his mother and then when they go to pull up they see um someone in the window who looks like a lady and they're like oh my god his mom's not dead so then they're like his mom's not dead that's so crazy that's wild dude and so they think that the mother's like killing or something and then lila literally opens the door and finds like his mom his mom's like dead body right and again like the sheriff thinks that the mom and her fiance just decided to drink poison commit suicide but really like norman bates poisoned them and forged a letter right that's just crazy dude so like there are so many like twists and turns and crazy things but I don't know, it's kind of cool that it's at a little 
little motel. Yeah, and I I wonder too if like do we get all hotel and motel horror from Psycho as well? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Bates Motel, the TV show? I watched like a couple episodes. I got bored of it. Me too. I think I watched like honestly the whole first season, but. Wasn't it on like CW? I think so, yeah. They don't they don't got good shows. They don't know how to they do it. They don't have the budget. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They don't know how to do it. Poor CW. We appreciate them for their efforts, though. <laughs> That's classic horror. You know? That's classic horror. So what are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing some modern horror. <laughs> Maybe cough. I know, we're both coughing. We're both sick. Help. I'm getting over my illness. I'm just starting to be ill. Marissa gave me the sickness. I sent it to her. All the way from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> um, We're doing modern horror. I don't know what I'm reading yet, but it's going to be vampires. Modern vampires, if you will. I'm going to read Kin by... Keelan Patrick Burke. A man. A man. Ew. Yeah. This is like what I would consider to be like a twin book or a cousin book to brother. Yeah. Um, but it also supposedly takes place after the tragic events of like the climax of a slasher. So it also feels very final girl support group in a way. Interesting. I'm curious about this one. Me too. That's, that'll be fun. Um, We shall see. We shall see what next week holds. That's that on that. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>